Hull House Podcast, we are back. Super excited about today's guest. I've seen him live like three times, uh, but never had the chance to meet him up until now. Talking about Carter Reeves from the band Air. Uh, so to fill people in who don't know, Air was this massive hip-hop Scott duo that took off from Wayland to Massachusetts uh, when we were in high school, like mid-2000s. And they were one of those massive YouTube groups that were getting like millions of views, pioneering a new style of, of real casual music videos, showing people that anybody could really make it from home. And they did, you know, they dropped two albums and, and both hit the top 200 billboard charts, millions of streams, like I said, on, on YouTube. And they went on to do multiple tours, they did amphitheaters and, and just crazy massive venues. And something that's really fascinating is that even though they broke up uh, a handful of years ago, Carter said that last year was actually their biggest year in streaming on Spotify. And so really cool to kind of see how, how things are coming full circle with the new age of streaming. And Carter's back in it. He's been doing solo music ever since Air took a hiatus, a, a friendly break. And so we're super excited to get into it with Carter, talk about Air and that era, moving into his solo stuff and the stuff he's working on right now. Well, Carter, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, super excited to talk to you because, like, we, you know, obviously we're from Massachusetts, and so we've like listened to your music and like have have known about you guys and what you've done for a while with Air, and then you moving into the solo career. So, just very curious to know about what the transitions kind of look like because I feel like there was definitely a drop off where I know you guys had the statement when you guys did break up, and then you know you we saw that you had, had had gone into going into music and stuff so i don't know i guess maybe we could start there and oh you got a dog Sorry. too yeah he's, he's barking at Are his own reflection. hey shut up um yeah dude like it's interesting i i was ooh, i'm gonna shut the door hold up no worries you're getting locked. We're dog we're dog friendly on the pod we're dog friendly Big time. Right, good, 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 good. um Okay, he's shot. He's gone. He's gone for good. Um, yeah, man. I mean, so it's funny because I wouldn't even call it a breakup per se. It was an amicable split. And I know that that's such a fucking diplomatic way to call it. Can I swear? Are we good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of yeah. course. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, we just like we had a point where like, we weren't creatively stoked on the shit we were making. We didn't want to like water stuff down for the fans. Like we had a point too, where it's just like, listen, you're my brother. Not actually, but like we grew up best friends since 12 years old, pretty much made music like every day from 12 years old to 25. So we were just tired, man. I think we were just super exhausted, tired of each other, tired of touring, tired of getting back in the studio when we weren't on tour. To the point where it's just like, yo, I don't want to kill you. You don't want to kill me. Let's go out with a bang kind of thing. So that was kind of where we just like, we, we ended and moved on from there. But I had always been like dabbling in solo music anyway. I mean, I think part of what I loved so much about Dave and he about me was that like we respected each other's independent artistry as well. Like he would produce beats for other people throughout the air career. and. I would do features for other people and stuff to the point where we were just like pretty open to that idea. So 
it was a no brainer for me to continue making music. Like right after air stopped, I was just like hundred percent. I'm gonna keep rolling. No reason to stop. No reason to slow down. Um, it's funny. I think I had like delusions as to where maybe I was in music at the time. He, he made his way back inside. So he doesn't have opposable what kind of dog. Is he, he's half pit. He's got some cattle dog in him. He's a, he's a super mutt, but he's also, uh, he just left. So I'll send you guys pictures. He's like coming <laughs> in and out on his own, opening the door, you know, oh, he's walking, he's walking to come as he pleases. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, it was funny. Cause I, I, when I first put out solo music, I was like, all right, like all I need is one hit and then I'll be like a superstar. Right. Cause like the air thing brought me to here. And then all I need is one fucking song to bring me to the stratosphere. Like, which I think was probably the wrong calculation because I had spent so long building up, you know, David and I had built up this like super personable brand. And like, I think the whole thing that worked about air was like, we could be your friends down the street. Like we're just two dudes making music, having a good time. And like, that was what was so good about it. It was like kind of this accessible thing. And so like I went full fucking 180 and like wore an all white suit and like came out like JT Miami vice shit. And I think, I mean, I don't regret a single fucking thing. Cause I, I love all that music, but like, I think I was going after this like stadium pop top 40 R and B thing. And I just, I didn't see it connect the way the air music connected. And obviously if you're going to go solo, it's you're, you're always going to run into less, traction and like less excitement around it, but it just didn't connect the way I thought it was going to connect, which then sent me kind of down this, like, you know, like we were saying with the XSL freshman guys, it's just like down this kind of like long windy road to kind of finding myself as an artist, finding my own identity, which finally feel like I'm starting to get to like, still not even fucking there. You know what I mean? Like it's such a journey, but you know, Definitely coming out of the air shit was necessary from a mental health standpoint, but also like, I think it showed me that it's not that easy, um, which I think is a good lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Which, I mean, we've talked a lot on this show about just the way that social media works now, today, and algorithms. And we talked to uh, Malfi's manager who was another guy from Boston who just caught traction before, you know, Twitter or before TikTok would yeah. put you in everyone's face. And it was the same with you guys. Yes. Yes. And like, yeah. it's the Beano <laughs> and even like Barstool would post music yeah, and stuff bro. like that. Um, and I just like, I'm curious. Cause I, I found out about you guys before I even knew you guys were from Boston. And then once I found out you guys were from Massachusetts, it was like, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. These guys are from Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, I just want to know what your guys' perspective was in your experience at that time, because I found out you got through, I found out about you guys through like, I guess like the YouTube algorithm, probably yeah, watching right. like Mac Miller videos and watching Kid Cudi. That's and it. then you guys are right there. And it was like, oh, this is awesome. And it's like, holy shit. These guys are from Massachusetts. This is incredible. Yeah. So yeah, just dude. like, what was your guys' experience at the time? Cause it was so hard to go like viral and blow up like right. organically on the internet. I think we were conscious that we were in a golden era of like blogs and YouTube and like Facebook was like the biggest driver for music sharing at the time. Like that's not the fucking case now. Now it's just like crazy shit. You know what I mean? And like we, I think we knew in the moment that like we were in a special churning thing. I think we thought it would last forever. I think 
you know, Instagram came out and it was like, cool, I'll take like artsy pictures, but no one knew that it was literally going to change everything. Um, and dude, exactly that Mac Miller showed paved the way of like, have your buddy buy a, spend $1,200 on a DSLR and then just have him sit in the back of a car with the trunk open as you and all your boys walk behind rapping at the camera. Like Mac started that shit and we emulated that. We saw that we were like, we can do that. Like we have a friend with a camera, let's fucking do it. And so I think that we like without YouTube, YouTube was such a discovery platform. Facebook people was like spreading Facebook like wildfire. And then of course like blogs, fist in the air, sunset in the rear view, fucking good music all day. Like all of these blogs, it's just such a different space now. It's so much harder to like poke through that. I think that's kind of what I meant by like, it's not so easy. I think my timing as Carter Reeves was a different time than air from an internet standpoint, but then also at the same time, man, it's like, we, we, we caught on to the zeitgeist, this fucking moment. And I think that like, that was kind of what, what made it feel so easy. Cause it just like happened organically and naturally and was just like spreading. It was crazy. So were you guys like seriously sitting there and just watching the YouTube views, just like go and go and go and just like, this is insane. Your yeah, first viral, it, viral yeah. video. Cause you're, the views, even like back then, it'd be tough to get like a million views and you guys right. had serious numbers on your music. I, but I think what's crazy about it too, is we were 18, 17, 18, 19 at the time. And like, we didn't even realize we knew what we were doing was special, but I think at the same time, it just, again, it just like kind of felt like exponential and like pretty I don't want, I don't want to say easy, like, cause it wasn't easy. We worked our asses off and like, we really did fucking work for what we got. I just mean like, we didn't meet much resistance kind of on that upward swing. Like it was just kind of like, we put a song out and then we put another one out and the next one got more views than the last. Then we'd shoot a video, which got more views than the last. And then the show would have more people than the last, which we, we definitely thought it was weird at the time, but it almost just felt I, we definitely took it for granted, but like, it was, it was fucking, it was cool. It was looking back on it now. I'm like, damn, what, what the fuck did we do? Right. Cause <laughs> yeah. the golden era. Exactly. I think at right place, right time, right music, right sound. Yeah. It just, it worked, which was sick. Yeah. And you brought up a cool point too about, you know, the fact of, you know, having the dynamic of two of you in the group, you know, there was definitely a collective movement, I think, which at least, you know, on a local level, like Johnny was kind of saying, had that grassroots effect. You know, you guys had the fresh air movement and I could tell at the time, you know, local kids are like, yeah, this is, this is really cool. Like this is so upbeat. This feels so now. And obviously you guys being from here as that whole level of like, you know, these guys are like us. They like to party. This is like solid summer music. They're into the vibe. And so it is cool that you guys had this whole thing going, you know, both culturally with what you guys are creating, but then also what you guys were able to create, you know, analytically online as well. Dude, absolutely. I mean, I owe Dave all of that. I mean, Dave was the dude who would be up from, you know, be up until 5am and then go to sleep and then sleep till noon. And then just like brain churning at every hour of the fucking day. I remember he texted me randomly. He was like, we should call our fans, the fam, like the family. We'll call it the fresh air movement. I made this fucking hand sign for it. 
like a gang sign. And I was just like, cool. Sounds pretty good to me. Let's see if it catches on. And just like that ended up defining the fan base. So like, yeah, he's got that marketing brain. He doesn't like to think he's the businessman. He's the creative <laughs> guy, but like he's those creative, creative ideas that like then we'll run with. And then like, how long were you guys like completely independent before you guys like had a manager kind of come on and then get kind of a team and, and, and a bit more structure behind you. I'm just curious to know what that, pro- because there, like you said, there was something really cool about the fact that it felt like it was two, you know, high school age kids just like yeah. doing it yeah. and about, you know, creating this vibe of having a good time. You know, obviously at a certain point you guys got a lot bigger things were happening. You guys are touring. Um, and so then at a certain point, obviously you have a team behind you, but I'm kind of curious to know what that process would have looked like going from step A to B and what that transition would have felt like. Yeah. I mean, we were lucky that a kid, a couple years, couple grades older than us had just started his freshman year at Syracuse in the music management program. And we, we had put out the Medina EP, which is like five songs or six songs. I don't remember, but was our first kind of like body of work, which we just did together. And it was just the two of us. We didn't have videos. We didn't have a cover art. We didn't have press photos, like none of that shit. And this guy wrote for a music blog. So we sent it to him like, Hey, can you post this to your music blog? And he just like called us two minutes later and was just like, this is fucking fire. I want to manage you. And I remember telling my parents and they thought it was so cute because we were like 16 and like, we got this guy coming over to like interview us to be a, to be our manager. And like, so we, we had management right off the bat. And I think for the first few years, he was kind of just like reading through the manager's handbook and like, you know, go get press photos. Let's get you a booking agent. Let's do this and let's do that. But I think what worked so well was that like, while we were starting to build a team behind the scenes, all of that organic shit that we had done, like, our buddy just like came over with a camera and we just started filming that, like all the stuff that we wanted to do creatively that felt so, you know, kids next door, that was getting traction, which was giving us the legitimacy to then build a real team behind the scenes. So again, it kind of just like worked at the right time in the right place. So that by the time we were like actually doing numbers and actually selling shows and stuff, we had a good booking agent already. We had a good manager. Um, you know, we had a homie who was just like shooting all our videos. Naturally, when you see that success though, we ran into the issue of just like, okay, so we're, we're bigger artists now. Like we need to do what big artists do. And you start to change the formula, which can obviously affect the outcome. So like we started doing everything in a studio, like a legit $300 an hour studio, which like, it's like trying to work under pressure where if you're used to just like fucking around in your mom's garage and then you go to like some pay by the minute place, like changes the creative mind for sure. And we were like, we got to pay for big budget um, music video producers. And like, let's put $10,000 into this music video. And it's like, cool. You have like a very well lit, cool story music video, but like, nobody asked for all that. Like we liked it when you were just like walking around with the camera, like that was cool. Like we're all good on that. And so I guess like as a piece of advice, if anybody's watching, it's like, you don't need all that. You don't need all that. Like if it feels good, if it, if it feels right, like it probably is. 
And I think that that's something that I've had to learn, like coming full circle, which is just like, you don't need all the bells and whistles. You don't need the highest quality vocal take. You don't need everything to be perfect. Like people like imperfection. People like that, you know, down to earth shit. And I think that if you try to go to Hollywood, too crystal clear, too fucking pop clean, then it, it might not, might not translate the same way. Definitely. And you definitely bring up a good point. I mean, I feel like right now with everything that's going on too, I feel like a lot of that is being deconstructed, you know, because obviously with COVID, everything's all like remote anyways. But I think even right before that too, you know, people were starting to realize and catch on to the fact that a lot of this stuff can be do it yourself. I mean, you look at like Billie Eilish, for example, being, you know, the big pop star she is and all that, all that shit's like done in a bedroom apparently. And so you're like, wow, that's cool. A bedroom the size of the bed. Like, right. It's just like it's ridiculous. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's gone. It's like a pendulum swing, right? Like people don't even yeah. want that pristine stuff anymore. They want to exactly. see the human, the human behind the thing. So definitely think it had some, some lasting ripples in the, in, in the game where we're at now. Totally. Yeah. And, and I definitely think that you can almost see people like mimic the, vibe or the aesthetic that you guys were going for and they like polish it and try and like make it look even though there is hundred thousand dollars behind an artist they still try and make it feel authentic and feel low budget and it just comes off so inauthentic and as we were preparing for the interview with you just going back and watching the music videos for air it was just like this is so awesome like this is just and it probably is like so much nostalgia too because it was just such an awesome time i was a freaking sophomore in high school like it was a good time to be alive like you know like my mind was open to the world and it takes you immediately back to that place but uh, I just think that people try and recreate it now or labels try and recreate it and or a manager says, all right, we're going to go for this grainy feel or we're going to do like a single shot thing now, but it just doesn't feel the same as it did back then, really. No, I agree. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see the impact. I didn't expect us to have the impact. Like David and I will text each other every now and then just be like, it is fucking crazy how this is still doing well. Like, obviously, you know, that also gets our wheels turning, but, uh, like air's biggest summer, at least from like Spotify streaming numbers was last summer. Like, how crazy is that? That's nuts. nuts. Like, and I'm assuming, and like, we're tracking for this summer to be bigger than last, which is like, yeah. I mean, it shows that we really did have a bigger impact than I thought. And I think living in LA now and like getting in sessions with people and writing with you know, young up and coming producers and writers and everything. Like a lot of these people are like, yo, I used to fuck with your stuff. So heavy growing up in high school. Like I'll definitely get in the room with you. And I'm like, cool. All right. Yeah. Posting off my, uh, my previous success, but it, it's sick. And like, you know, I see dudes doing it. Like the surfaces guys are doing a very similar thing, at least to what air did, but on like a much more, massive scale. I don't know if you guys are familiar with surfaces. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, I've met those guys a bunch of times and they're both fucking awesome guys, but they're just both like, when I first met them, we're like, Oh my God, we grew up on your stuff. Like, yeah. so cool. Such an inspiration. Da, da, da. And I'm like, damn, I was going to say that about you guys, but it's, it's super cool to hear. It's, it's really cool. I mean, the music certainly lives on. It's like, it's like the, the song that you guys have where you're like, if in 2040, you know, play this a little louder, you know, and yeah. uh, 
Yeah. But no, definitely. I mean, it was funny. Even earlier today, talking to a bunch of my friends and, and you know, saying that we were going to have you on. And then they were like, wait, floats my boat? And I was, you know, I was like, yeah, that, that's that's them. And, and, yeah. and you know, I have friends from like California and stuff. And they're all like, you know, they they grew up kind of listening to, to your guys' stuff as well. So yeah. very cool. I mean, you bring up a cool point, which also, by the way, this is our, uh, our third dude, on, Mikey. <laughs> the mystery guest. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Nice <laughs> Entering you, stage left. Yeah. <laughs> Doing good. How are you? Good, good, good. Hanging. We're just getting yeah, into it. Maybe. We're just warming oh, up. Absolutely. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> but you definitely brought up a good point where you were saying, you know, you guys, you know, as kids, you guys are making something so authentically. And then you felt like you had to conform to these boxes. And so obviously, you know, going into like big studios and stuff, it changes that entire process that you guys had. Um, I'm curious, when did you guys move out to LA? Do you think even moving locationally, did that have a change in your process, you know, from being out and I believe you're from Wales, Wellesley, correct? Wayland. Wayland. Cam, Cam Meekins, bro. He's wild. All respect okay. to Cam, but I ain't Cam. That's another <laughs> yeah. one. That's another one we forgot to bring up earlier in the beginning of the yeah, podcast. It was another yeah. one that definitely got caught on in the algorithm. Oh, and yeah. Just, just oh, like, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we weren't air in LA ever. So he moved, Dave moved out to LA right after we split. And then I stayed in New York for couple months and then just moved to LA also. Um, but we were in New York and New York definitely changed the dynamic because you are in like, we were living in Brighton for the longest time. So we were in like a big house in Brighton where you can be as loud as you fucking want. Cause you're in a house. Um, yeah. and then we moved to New York where we were both in like tiny apartments in the East village. So we had to like meet up in the studio every time we wanted to work together. And again, that just changes the dynamic because you're on the clock. You're like paying for every minute you're there, which just puts creative pressure that you don't need. And then Dave and I used to live together in Brighton, um, which worked really well at some times and then worked really fucking bad at other times. I mean, you can imagine like your business partner, your best friend and your fucking brother like living across the room. I'd be exhausted just trying to like smoke weed and he'd be like banging it away. It's like, come in, come right to this shit. And I'd be like, dude, I'm, I'm done for the day. So it had its ups and downs, but I moved out in, in Brighton too, but I only moved like five doors down to my own apartment. So that proximity was huge. And then in New York, like we weren't living as close together physically and he was living alone and we were just like touring heavily. So yeah, I mean, I don't think that air would be still here today had we stayed in Boston, but living in New York definitely made it harder to just like be together all the time. And I, I love Boston and Brighton's a great spot. I have some friends that live there. There's a lot more distractions in New York City in the East Village than there is in Brighton. Absolutely, absolutely. Too. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think Dave would say the same thing too, but like moving to New York definitely like started probably our growing apart, not in any bad way. Just like, I don't know. I started like keeping up. I fucking thought I was hot shit. So I was like keeping up with like hype beast fashion and like bouncing around Soho, trying to like get drinks with some like influencers and shit, like doing all this like game stuff that like 
was just a different pace than he wanted to go. And like, I was like, where in New York, it's like, kind of like you either do or you don't. Um, whereas like Boston, you can kind of just like go at your own speed. Um, yeah. New York was tough. I mean, I had a fucking blast. I love, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It is incredibly fun. Would you move back? (laughs) Would I go back? Yeah. With money? Yes. (laughs) I don't want to not be there with money. So we'll see. We'll talk in two years. Three years? Okay. Two, two years. Two years we'll recap. Yes. Two months. Who knows? You're Who coming knows? back to Boston at some point, right? You said you're going to try to come back this summer? Yeah, yeah, I'll be back for the summer. My parents live in Maine, so I'm there all the time. We'll definitely have to link up in person. We want you to come I down to the actual to. Hall House. I'm vexed. I'm waxed. I'm ready to get some fucking balls. <laughs> hey, us too, man. Us too. <laughs> Before go. you come back, send us a rider of literally whatever you want that's not like diamonds. Like oh, any perfect. drinks or food. You name what you want. Whatever alcohol you want, we will get it. We will do it. So, Well, let's just fucking rip it. Sounds good to me. Where are you guys living? We're in Hall. Have oh, you been nice. to Hall before? Nantasket Beach? Have. I've surfed uh, Nantasket a bunch. Nice. Nantasket Hall, right? Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. the one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sick. Wow, you guys are living the Beach Boys lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Can't complain. Yeah, coming from you out in LA, right? Yeah, right. Have you surfed? Have you been surfing out west? Yeah, as much as I can. I go out uh, when I'm in it, like a couple times a week. But I've been slacking. So well, you're busy with other stuff. You got you got you got a lot of music stuff going on. You just dropped a video, I think, like a month ago. I want to say. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, um, and I and I saw I saw your Instagram post that you you had painted the entire room in which you guys were uh, filming the video. How was that? Yeah, a huge bitch. I painted it all <laughs> white with one like one brush because apparently I didn't know this, but old wood, a old wood soaks up paint, so you have to do like mm-hmm. ten coats, and then on top of that, it was all like splintery and fucked up so you couldn't roll it like i tried rolling it but it was like i couldn't do it so i'm out here just like doing three coats just like by hand pretty big ass room and uh it's okay it's you know i like that shit though i like love Mm. just like if i have to like build a set or like go fucking paint some stuff like whatever it is I think that's too like a DIY video. If you're going to be DIY, if you're going to be independent, like, yeah, I'll put in like 12 hours to make this video look and feel so much better than just like, yeah, we'll go like drive to a place and just like stand in front of this place. And just like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put a little more, a little more elbow grease into it. Was that in your own house? I'm just curious. Uh, who's at it? Yeah, that was like a loft, like a, like an old garage barn kind of thing. Oh, sweet. Cool. Yeah. It was, it took a while to be like, yo, can I paint this room all white to my parents? And they're like, yeah, you could, you could do it. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, awesome. I swear it'll be worth it. And they liked how it came out. So the, vi- the video is awesome. The video looks super, Thanks, super cool. Yeah. We put it on our Instagram story earlier today. <laughs> it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Nice and trippy. That was what I was going for. Yeah, absolutely. Been a journey. Definitely a journey, a journey that's, that's continually going. So, so to uh, walk us a little bit through it. So we, you know, we, we spent some time talking about the, uh, the algorithm of YouTube 2014, 2012, you name it, you know, like, but right now, what, what is your approach looking like? I mean, obviously on a musical level, you're doing what you're doing. And, and I think you kind of touched on it earlier. I think, I think you, you probably feel like you're connecting a little bit more to the music you're making now 
than you know maybe when you started you know first doing your solo stuff but and, yeah. and it clearly comes through your stuff right now is like so on point just so like it feels personal you know it feels really like authentic and so on that side on the music side even on the business side if you want to get into that you know what it even looks like right now because like we said you know social media and youtube the algorithms it's all changing and so the approach yeah. has to go along with that yeah dude i mean it's it's a it's a it's a weighted question i uh oh, i've been God, so it's loaded loaded there you go yeah that's what i meant um yeah so i've been doing i haven't had a manager now for a year and a half and when i stopped having a manager i was like oh fuck like i'm done as an artist like i cannot move forward and then i think like i kind of picked my ass up and was like you can still do stuff like it wasn't like i was getting like the phone ringing off the hook anyway so it was like I can play defense, but like that offense is, is the part that's, that's hard, right? Like I can totally handle all the shit that's coming across my desk. But when I talk to my friends who manage artists who are popping and like do all this stuff, they're all like, yeah, you got to get on TikTok and you got to be on TikTok fucking four times a day, every day for two years to start to see traction. And if your SEO is garbage, then you're like, you got to be putting... $50,000 a month into your Facebook ad spends. And I'm just like, cool. I just kind of want to make good music. And so like, it's been a tough balance between. I love having my hand in everything from a creative standpoint and being like, yeah, I'm going to go paint this barn so that I can shoot a music video here and shoot the music video with my friends and do this stuff where I'm kind of like dictating the vision. But then when it comes to, okay, so I have all this great content, right? Like, I've been putting out a song a month since January and with like a lot of videos and photos and all this shit, which I kind of like stockpiled over the past couple months. But, um, yeah, bro. The part that stumps me is how do you make the most out of that? Like, how do you, like, how do you give something legs? And, you know, there's one school of thought, which is like, if the music's good, it'll get picked up, right? Like people will just find it and love it. But the game is so oversaturated at this point, and it's not where we were with yeah. air. Like, it's not that era anymore where, like, you know, there's a lot of names popping up, and yeah, you can make music on your laptop, but like, versus 10 years ago, like, everyone's fucking doing it. And there's like a thousand new artists popping up a day, and literally, there's like, I think it's like 150,000 songs a week get released. And it's like, I'm just one. And like, I do have my story to tell, which is air and how much I toured. And, you know, there's, I think there's so much story to tell. And I think there's so much like cool shit that I'm doing. It's just hard to find like that algorithmic stuff to stand out, you know? And, and you could say that if you have enough money, you could kind of spend the money the right way to get seen. But like, I've invested some of my hard earned money into like ad spends and PR campaigns and shit like that. And even that doesn't really do it. And then you have the fucking hard question when you look yourself in the mirror and you go, is what I'm doing even dope? But then you remind yourself you absolutely are. You just got to fucking keep doing what's true to yourself. Even if it's not connecting with the people, maybe that air was connecting with, I'm, I'm still happy and I'm still loving what I'm doing. So it's like, that to me is the most important thing. 
Yeah, that's all that matters too. I mean, the stuff comes full circle, like you said. Like you look at your music or whatever, you're, whatever content you're making, and you're like, "Well, it's dope." So you know, where am I going wrong? Trying to, like you said, give legs to it or get that attraction, and you kind of go down the list of things, and then you come back to the original question, which is like, "Is it even dope?" But like you said, you got to have that confidence to remind yourself, you know, what I'm doing. Like this is, you know, the coolest shit. Like nobody else is doing this, and it's authentic to me. And, right. you know, whether it was, you know, stemming from the story they have to tell with air and things like that, whether it's stemming from that or it's just personal journeys coming now in the present day, like whatever it is, you got to have that confidence to be like, yeah, this is dope. This is what I'm doing now. This is authentic. This is my story. You know, this is what I'm about. Yeah. It's the only validation you probably need too, because at the end 100%. of the day, if you make something that like everyone's listening to and you hate it at a certain point, you know, we, we always hear the stories of like people who are quote unquote on top. And then they just still hated what they did so much. Oh, they yeah. still lose their mind and they break down and they yeah. stop. And so Dude. at the end of the day, if you love what you do and like, hypothetically you had one monthly listener on Spotify, like that's it. You yeah, still, you still can reflect on that, but obviously you have more than one listener. So big no, but I, I hear you 100%. And like, Oh, I had something to say. Fuck. I forget now. Yeah. It's just like about like, if you, no, I forget. I lost. Well, it, it, it's, it's also like, I'm not even to like counter it, but just like, it's like the starving artist, like conundrum too. Like, I think it was like Picasso had like a quote. He's like, I could paint all day, but I could leave it in my basement. And I don't feel the same as if I'm right. walking around my gallery and everyone's telling me how great it is. You know, I'm sure Picasso didn't say that. Some artists said that, <laughs> but it's, it, it, you know, like the point kind of stands that it's, it's, a, it's a part of the art of making music and then putting it out there and getting the response response back appreciation factor from other people totally validation i think actually that's that's a really good point so i have not been touring much certainly not as much as i was with air and i haven't toured much as carter reeves at all and it's been fucking five years so it's like i haven't toured heavily in five years which to me and i think just generally is the most important way to connect with fans and with people I think it is so mutually beneficial for the artist and for the fan, because it's like for a fan, you are there, you are with me. We are sharing this moment. You are seeing my energy. You're seeing me leave it all out on stage. You're going, Holy shit. Like I thought the dude's music was cool, but like, this is fucking like a whole different thing. Like I really like this and that's how you can connect. And you go hang out at the merch table afterwards and you know, you're meeting people and like, not only is that super beneficial for the fans to connect, but like, that's how I get fulfilled. Like it's not even the validation, like you don't suck, like good for you. It's more like the validate, or, or it's more just like the meaningful encounters. I mean, in it's a the weird meaningful way. encounters because you know, with the internet like being so accessible and everybody just being able to like turn on their camera, go live and like pick up their guitar and play for fans. It's like, yeah, that's sick. And like, I think it's, it's cool how accessible that is. But when I was touring, that is when I feel most reminded that what I'm doing is the right thing for me to be doing. Because like every night you get five to 500 to 5,000 people who are there taking time and money out of their lives to come and see you. And like, that means a lot, you know, money aside, like that is like, okay, I must be doing something right because there's bodies in the room. Like this is sick. Um, so not having toured in a while is like 
very shitty for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a personal connection that kind of means the most. I mean, people always say like, oh, you know, more intimate shows in reference to like smaller shows, smaller venues, like where you're really close to the fans and stuff like that. But I yeah. mean, if we're being honest, every concert I've ever been to has felt like an intimate setting. Like the person is there. You're never going to hear them play those songs like that ever again. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. like such a unique experience to the music that it's so important to have that with the fans and connect with them. And, you know, and tons of people there might be hearing you for the first time too. And that's huge in itself. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's a huge fan builder too. Like opening for someone is like top notch, best thing you can possibly do. And I mean, that's what sucked about the pandemic. Cause I had a tour lined up. I was like, Oh my God, finally my first tour in years. Like, let's go. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, all right, I'm going on Instagram live Wednesday at six. <laughs> were you opening or were you headlining? I was going to open, which is sick. For who? It was going to be, I was going to, sorry. Are you allowed to say? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yes and no. Cause they had to reschedule. And oh, okay. uh, so is it you, you, still might happen to yeah. some extent? No, not with me. That's why I can't say. Uh, they okay, rescheduled okay. with someone else, which is an uh, L. Okay. Yeah, Absolutely. it's a huge L. Yeah. Really this, at least, can you say what venue you guys were going to play at in Boston with the tour? It would have been, um, I think, Brighton Music Hall, which okay. is oh, nice. solid. It's yeah. a solid venue, oh, yeah. yeah. Would have been solid. Did there. Brighton Music Hall shut down? The Great Scott did in Austin. Great yeah. Scott did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. R.I.P. Great Scott. Yeah, I know, right? There, there was some like things like you could like buy into it and like invest into it. I was really close to putting some money into it. I'm happy I didn't because it didn't. Like a Kickstarter or some shit? Yeah, yeah. It was like, hey, and it was like, it was like on my Instagram feed, like an ad. It was like, hey, help save the Great Scott. Like throw in 500 bucks. I was like, I've had some awesome nights at the Great Scott. I might do Active it. bird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro. So, you know, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. It's a roller oh, coaster. I'm feeling oh, super oh. fucking confident though. Yeah. These good. days, I'm feeling fucking great. Yeah. One awesome. of the biggest summers in the entire history of culture is coming up right now. So, Seriously. I'm ready for Dude, it. it. Yeah. Fucking do you crazy. have anything lined up? Forgive me if you guys already asked this question before I got here. But do you have any plans or no, so releases, tours coming up? or? So, I... At the beginning of pandemic, I started making some reggae music just for fun. Kind of like reggae, pop music, AKA exactly the type of music Carter Reeves is making, just like reggae stuff. And I had a buddy who was like, this is fire. Let's pitch it to some labels. He pitched it to some labels. And one of like the biggest independent reggae labels is putting this EP out under the name Surfer Girl, which is like this side project that I launched in November. So there's a surfer girl EP coming out tonight, which I'm fucking stoked on. So it's like five, five songs of this, like kind of reggae pop shit. A lot of people were saying like, Oh, this feels a lot more like air, which, you know, Hey, whatever works, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm just like at this point where it's like, let's see what sticks, you know, unsigned, unmanaged. I'm just having a good time and making music that I like. Um, So I got Carter Reeves music still coming out. I got two more songs coming out in this kind of like batch of releases. And then I'm going to kind of like cook back up in the studio for a while. Um, But I got this surfer girl EP coming out. I got like a bunch of reggae music done. Yeah. I'm just going to not shut the fuck up for a while. So that's kind of my plan. We love it. Awesome. 
<laughs> love it. So for everybody listening, uh, where can they continue to hear you? Where can they keep up with all your stuff on social and, and, and just on music as well. Go ahead and give us the plug. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Carter Reeves. That's, that's who you've been listening to talk for 40 minutes. Um, and let's see, you can find me at Carter Reeves on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the whole nine yards. If uh, a little reggae pop is more your scene, if, you know, smoking weed is more your thing versus, you know, drinking beers, you know, or if it's both. Both. Yeah. Uh, like, both. They're not mutually <laughs> exclusive. Yeah. Nah, dude, they're mutually exclusive. Um, then, uh, you can check out surfer girl, just put out some new music, but, um, shit, man. I just feel like if you, if you liked what I was doing five years ago, 10 years ago, I haven't stopped. And this journey may take twists and turns in the road, but like, I just hope people fuck with me and I'm just doing stuff that I really like and I really believe in, and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Going to get back on the road pretty soon. So you like it, just follow the journey, you know? Cool. It's what we've been talking about the whole time. It's authenticity and it's just being being yourself. It's what made you guys so popular and what made us love you guys when you guys first came on the scene and it's what you're doing now. It's authenticity and being yourself and it connects, it comes through in the music. So we really appreciate you. You're having fun doing it and we're having fun listening. So uh, that was what I forgot. And I was going to say earlier, it's like this day and age, you can't discount. You can't think that your fans are dumber than they are. Like, and that was what you were saying about like, Oh, well, like, I'll just like, you know, I'll just sing like a catchy pop song and put it out and like the masses will eat it up. It's like, that's not how this works. Like people can smell that bullshit. They can see through your shit. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, to put a whole bow on it, if you're not doing shit that's authentic, if you're not doing something that you're having fun, that you're like loose, having a good time with, it's gonna, like, you can hear that. You can feel that. And that'll translate. So, amen. Fucking gotta be authentic. That's what I'm trying to do. I did a whole bunch of non-authentic shit, doing more authentic shit now. And I feel fucking good doing it. Glad to hear <laughs> it. We Glad love it. it. We're, we're back to the buddy with the DSLR camera walking around your hometown filming your rapping. We're Literally. back to those vibes. Hell yeah. <laughs> is it worse that my buddy right now is just a fucking tripod? <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. But um, I wasn't filming myself on this interview, I promise. I'm shooting something in a minute. We would have been real flattered if you yeah, were, you, man. You, you should have said <laughs> like, you were. Oddly narcissistic. Just like, <laughs> yeah, big interview uh, with the Hall House. back my highlight reels, you know, got to make sure I... Uh, no, nothing like that. Nothing like that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, awesome. Carter, thank, thank you, you so really much for joining us. On. Of course, boys. Thank you I've so much. You guys, for I've seen me. I've seen Air live like at least three times, maybe four. So big Oof. like childhood dream. <laughs> House of Blues, uh, Xfinity Center. Uh, oh. You guys did the wow. Kiss One Away, the Kiss concert. Oh, right, right, right. I was getting that mixed up with um, what's the one in Southie? Bank of America. Bank of America. I, I saw you guys there too once. I forgot who you guys. You, you guys were opening that show. Dirty, dirty Heads is the yeah. Oh, wait, I was backstage was with Pepper. It was. It, what'd you say? I thought was it, was, it, was, it, was it I was gonna say I think I saw you guys open for slightly stupid too and and uh it was oh slightly stupid it? headline and you and pepper and dirty heads opened up I think oh that was like a weird one because we were on tour with dirty heads and pepper at the yeah. time which I think is where we got that was a weird crowd that was a weird crowd well so that's like the that's the pros and cons to this whole like reggae endeavor I'm taking is like 
It's a very chill crowd. Love yeah, it was chill. Fun. Yeah. It was fun, but it was, there were some interesting characters there. I'll say oh, that. Crap. To say the least, it's so much fucking fun. It's ridiculous. But um, yeah, bro. Good fucking times. It was so cool because we played like Middle East upstairs to Middle East downstairs to Paradise to House of Blues to Kiss Kiss concert. Like it was just a crazy. That's awesome. That's crazy. So what ride. a ride. Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. Oof. Damn. These beers are getting me thirsty though. It's just about six o'clock my time. So. Oh, absolutely. Carter, man, thank you so much. Really, like a childhood dream to get to talk to you and <laughs> yeah, hear about all uh, the, uh, the, the golden era. <laughs> Let's do a follow-up, too, once uh, I'm moving back to uh, Boston, you know, with all with all that money I was talking about. Hell yeah. Right. Hell yeah. We will. We would love to host you here. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate, Thanks, you, man. Appreciate you, guys. Later. Take it easy, man. for listening to Hall House Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Hall House, H-U-L-L-H-A-U-S. New episodes dropping every week, so stay tuned wherever you're listening.